Hey, everyone. I want to welcome Walt Constantini, who's the director of aviation programs at Mohawk Valley Community College in New York. Uh, it's so great to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed our conversations before. Uh, there are so many people out there interested in aviation careers, and yet there's not a lot known about really how to enter that field. And I know that you offer a certification program that takes about a year that prepares people to be aviation mechanics. That's right. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it says there's an 11% uh, growth forecast for aviation mechanics between 2020 and 2030. So that's a good number of people. Can you tell us more about the certification program? Sure. Well, like you said, it is a one year, uh, is actually 12 calendar months. Uh, it's under the State University of New York uh, higher education system. So it is a program that carries college credits. At the same token, it, it is a, uh, a tech and trades program. Um, students work through three consecutive semesters. Uh, it is full time. When I say full time, we're here Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30 every day. So um, it's like having a full time job. But the payoff for it is you're done in 12 months. Um, you don't have any homework. Everything's done here at the, in the program. And um, it's such a uh, high-paced schedule. Um, you really don't have time to be bored. Everything we do here is strictly what the FAA requires. So uh, it's a very focused process. Um, and you get to work with your hands because the program is primarily based on hands-on training. There is a classroom element, but uh, the majority of the time the students here, I would say 60 to 70% of the year they're here, is done actually hands-on working in the hangar uh, on, on our lab equipment, our aircraft and uh, simulators. Yeah, you're fairly unusual for a community college. I believe you're the only one in New York State uh, to offer this kind of training. And by the way, the certificate Certification is airframe and power plant? Yes, airframe and power plant technology. Um, we're actually the first in the state. There is uh, one other current program that just started up this year. So um, there's two of us now, and potentially maybe it'll grow to one or two more in the not too distant future. The industry needs the uh, pipeline. Right. Um, now, one of the reasons for the growth in the jobs, if um, correct me if I'm wrong, is also just due to a number of retirements in the industry, that we're not really creating more of these mechanics. So we really are going to have to push to get enough people out there trained, correct? Yeah, that's a very valid statement. Um, there's been a, a mass exodus of uh, skilled, high-end, high-experience technicians throughout, uh, really over the last few years. But uh, the pandemic really uh, accelerated that retirement wave. Oh. Uh, we've gone a, probably a good solid 25 to 30 years of relatively low uh, recruiting and low hiring numbers um, because there was an ample supply of uh, skilled technicians. Now the same skills, skilled technician group that came into the industry you know, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, have worked through and uh, you know they were in their 20s or older when they started and now we've had 20 years go by or close to 30 with little hiring so translation happens uh, 
huge retirement wave. And unfortunately, we've let these, this industry go by so long being the uh, out of sight, out of mind uh, aspect of aerospace that uh, people were not aware of it. People are still not aware of it as a potential uh, career path. Uh, and I think some of it too has to do with the fact that it's a, it's a tech program, a trade program. Um, it's not a four-year degree requirement. So it kind of gets overlooked, unfortunately, because it's a very lucrative career. And, you know, not everybody is cut out of the cookie cutter to go to a four-year school. So a shorter time frame um, through a, a technical program, people may be a lot more successful than they would be otherwise. And not everybody is cut out to be able to handle sitting in a classroom for however many subjects per day that they have to sit in the classroom for. Um, if you could give us just a snapshot of what it's like to work out on the floor, um, because I know that you have you have actual planes that you're working on. What are some of the planes that your um, students are working on? Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, they're immersed in what their career is going to look like. Uh, we have a Boeing seven twenty seven two Gulfstream uh, G twos and a Bombardier Challenger six hundred for our turbine uh, collection. In addition to those, we have uh, multiple different types of uh, piston engine airplanes, both single engine and multi-engine. And we work, we have a uh, turbine helicopter that we work with too. So the fleet covers the whole gamut of uh, aerospace opportunities uh, and students get an exam, uh, a hands-on opportunity to work with these different types of airframes. So um, all year long, you're submersed in a pretty diverse and uh, well-stacked hangar, I guess I could put it that way. Um, you learn how to duck frequently and pay attention. <laughs> there's always a, a wing. There's a wing there that's uh, ready to mm -hmm. reach out and say hello. Wow. Um, so, tell me, what are some of the work sites that a graduate of your program might go through first? Go to um, they, helicopters. So you're talking about like corporate helicopters yeah, private helicopters private helicopters military helicopters mm -hmm. um, they can work in manufacture to build the aircraft they can work in a factory on service center they can get into uh, business or corporate aviation working either for maybe a fortune 500's private flight department or for a uh, manufacturer owned service center Kind of like uh, bring your Bombardier aircraft to a Bombardier service center, just like you bring your wow. Chevrolet car to a Chevy dealership. Um, or they could go to work for a regional airline, um, feeding major air carriers, or go directly into the, the major air carriers too. And the way the industry is changing now, there's even opportunity to go into working with lighter than air aircraft, like um, balloons and of that nature. And also uh, up and coming, we're going to be dealing with space planes and commercial space travel wow. and uh, the new electric powered aircraft and uh, the urban air mobility movement that is really gaining traction. That's a whole new industry that's just in its infancy stage right now that's going to also be included under the umbrella of what an aircraft technician is authorized to do. Can you tell me some more about that? Because I haven't heard of that. Yeah, that's the uh, basically flying taxis, uh, electric powered aircraft, or um, I guess a better description would be electric helicopters. Wow. Um, these will be quad 
rotors or six or eight or more rotors that are all electric powered um, and meant to fly inner city for great example would be uh, midtown Manhattan to JFK or LaGuardia. Uh, instead of taking a taxi, you would take one of these electric uh, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft that take off and land like a helicopter, but fly like a regular airplane. And they're all electric powered and can be up to eight, eight passengers at a time. So being electric, they're very efficient and inexpensive to operate. So they're not gonna be really um, high end expensive for people to use to help cut down on the traffic on, this, on the, the highways and the streets that are in the city, inner cities. Wow. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, they're manned for now, but I'm sure down the road, not too far off in the distance, they'll be either autonomous or remotely piloted. You know, that was a vision of Walt Disney, I believe, back in the 1960s. Yeah. I yeah. grew up in uh, Los Angeles, and there was uh, an exhibit at the first Disneyland where I grew up, and it was about people driving around the world um, in driverless vehicles. Yep. It's coming for real now. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, then that brings me to my next question, which is I noticed that you also offer an associate's degree. So yeah. how does that differ from the certification program? Uh, the associate's degree is the academic side. Um, mm -hmm. It can be added to the certificate for uh, which actually the, to get the degree, the certificate is required. It's half of the credit hours required for the associate's degree. Um, but that can be used in the future for an individual who wants to move into a supervisory or management role or transfer to a four-year university to use that for part of the credits they would need for the four-year degree and save a significant amount of money doing that. So um, it's completely separate. We keep them independent of each other, but if, if a student wants the degree, they do have to complete the certificate in order to get the, the credit side of the house completed. All right, thanks. I think that's good enough for now. Um, so I know that you have a pretty amazing graduation rate there. And part of that is that you qualify people to, that they're academically prepared to do the work before they walk into the door. This is a competitive, program to get into, right? Yeah, to a degree, we do require students to be prepared to start the program. You can't just sign up and start the program. Um, there are minimum academic requirements that we put in place. Um, any students wishing to start this program has to be qualified for college level English one and for college level algebra. And to evaluate the student, we require what's called a placement test to see that, that the student is indeed at the level of math and English that we require. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately we're trying to set the student up for success, not for failure. So if they're academically prepared to start the program, they have a much better chance at uh, being successful in the program. And also on top of that, I think because of the schedule that we carry, um, a student that wants to do this is going to be committed from the beginning. Um, we, I do an incoming new student interview with anybody wanting to sign up for this program to explain how it works so they fully understand what they're getting into before they start. Um, so they realize that, hey, we're in class 40 hours a week. This is a full-time job. So if it's something you want to do, you have to be committed to it to be able to uh, 
put the effort into keeping that kind of a schedule and any missed time is a mandatory makeup you can't uh miss time and just say oh well i missed class today no big deal no it's not a big no big deal the faa requires right. you to complete all the hours so and we have a limited number of hours that you're allowed to miss per semester so overall between the um student being qualified to start the program and the rigid uh, requirements of being in the program. Uh, I think most students are willing to put the effort and they're dedicated to it. Therefore, I think that leads to our very high completion rate, which is over uh, between 88 and 92%. Um, and just a note for people out there considering this or any program. Now in the case of this certification. This is a federal aviation authority certification and any program like this must be FAAA, right? Certified. Yes. Yeah. So your options to get this training are often either you kind of go out of your way and you look for that community college program like this gem in New York, or you go to a for-profit trade school. I just want to mention that because the cost to go to a community college is going to be much less. Also, the instruction is a very high level. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because there are training programs out there for certification. They cannot um, guarantee you that you will be certified. What they can do is prepare you for that certification exam. So if their preparation is not good, they can take all your money and you may not pass. And I think one of the great things about Walt is as a father of four, he's put four kids through college or had to do with all the aid and all the things. And he's very down to earth. And I think with his students to help them understand all the costs you're gonna incur in that year. And I think that this is an area of higher education that can be very difficult for people to put together. So. I think that what we were discussing, Walt, was, okay, there, the costs break down. There's tuition, and right. then there's fees, and then right. there's books. Sometimes books are considered in the same group with fees. But can you talk a little bit about New York State's um, scholarship programs or, and the Pell, and also just how you help people figure out what are their living expenses going to be during the year? Yeah, it's... Um... We really put in a lot of effort to make sure that all the uh, costs are known up front so that there's no surprises. Um, you know, you have your basic tuition that covers your the academic side of sitting in the classroom, but you also have program fees that include, uh, you know, uniforms, books, tools, uh, student activity fees, um, student insurance, student congress. There's all kinds of different fees that all colleges charge and uh, above and beyond tuition. People need to understand those are not part of your tuition. The tuition is this much, but you have to add on this, 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 and this to get the final out the door. Um, and then room and board on top of that can vary significantly also. You can stay in the, if the university or college has dorms, you can stay in the dorms. Um, and you have the dorm rate plus your meal rate. If you're gonna live on campus, you have to consider the cost of uh, the meal plan you're required to have uh, li versus living off campus, uh, renting an apartment or somewhere that, uh, okay, um, 
you got to look at those two closely to see which one's going to be more cost effective. Um, at a, in an apartment, yeah, you have to cook for yourself, but you don't have to buy a meal plan that you may or may not like. Um, so there's more to it than just the tuition itself. So, um, you know, this same program we have here, we're in a low cost of living area. So the cost of living outside of the classroom is relatively affordable. But you go to some other areas of the country and it's going to be much more expensive to live when you're not in the class. So those are things that people should really uh, investigate before they make a decision. Um, and in New York State, we have TAP and Pell for the free money. Those are both grants. Um, TAP is state, Pell is federal money. That's money that does not have to be paid back. And it's all income dependent. So how much you get depends on your particular individual situation. And of course, above and beyond that, you have uh, Stafford subsidized and unsubsidized government loans. Those are usually low interest rates and fairly low repayment plans. And if those don't uh, come into the picture, then you have to consider potentially private loans. You know, there's companies like Sally Mae, Wells Fargo, and I'm sure there's other institutions that offer private student loans. And those are, uh, they can usually be close to or just into double digit interest rates. So um, again, you have to take into consideration what that's going to cost you at the end when you have to start paying it back. Well, no matter what the profession is, make sure that it's going to be sufficient enough to support you when right. you have this uh, student loan to pay back while you're working. Right. And that brings me to wages. Now, aviation mechanics, that is a very well-paying um technician job the average wage the mean we were talking about this mean wage is about sixty seven thousand dollars and that would be your wage anywhere you are in the country right now at sixty seven thousand dollars one thing i wanted to mention is you are okay so you're graduating and your first job might you pay you around 50. yeah that's reasonable all right so the average wage for a four-year college graduate is somewhere you hear all sorts of quotes, but I've seen anywhere between 52 and 60, so pretty close. So actually, when you're an aviation mechanic, you may well be earning more than someone with a bachelor's at some point. It depends upon the degree they have. But this is where that value of a certificate can really start to um, make a difference. So just make sure that you're doing the math and understanding that no matter what an institution may be able saying in their literature that they can get you so-and-so and so-and-so grants are out there, you have to fill out that FAFSA, your federal loan application in order to see really where you are with money. Sometimes you'll get more grant money because at some community colleges, for example, local employers have pitched in and said, you know what, we, we wanna incentivize students to get a degree in something that they're just not able to find people for and or single mothers or there are some things out there that are sort of behind that door and you do not need a high credit rating or any credit rating to get a federal Stafford loan which is the lowest in rate of um, per interest that you're ever going to pay on a loan so this is where the stigma of a trades job is, is really ridiculous in this day and age. Often jobs in the trades and manufacturing, these highly skilled jobs at any rate, 
can earn you up to $100,000 a year. That might be with overtime. That depends on the market. I'm not saying I'm an expert in all these situations, but this is very often what I see and what I read in the figures. Yeah, so, the, uh, all right. the, I can agree. All the trades are in such great demand right now uh, for the, the set of skills that are each of them are requiring. Yeah, the pay is going way up and the benefits are right there with it. So um, you don't necessarily have to go to school for four years to come out making the same as what you could potentially make as with a, uh, a skill set. Well, there Trades. was, a, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. There was a book written about 10 years ago called um, Shopcraft as Soulcraft, I believe. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It was a, by a guy who is a philosophy professor and a motorcycle mechanic, and he actually owned a motorcycle repair shop. And he wrote about how satisfying it is working in a trade because no one day is the same. And he said, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of jobs where you are sitting in the office all day where you might buy, be not today even compensated more. I think you mentioned to me that the money on the floor is the same as the money in the office pretty much, right? Yeah. yeah. And on the floor, like you just said, it's always something different. It's not the same old mundane uh, thing to come into work to every day. You never know what's going to be, uh, what's going to occur the day before that's going to make your next day completely different than yesterday was. Yeah. What he mentioned was that a lot of jobs today had lost something he called personal agency. And he felt that those people in the trades had that. Being able to go into work and, uh, well, if you're doing something you really love, it doesn't feel like work to begin with. You're just yeah. getting paid to have fun. Um, in this industry, when you go into work, if you're working on a line somewhere at an airport and there's four airplanes that are have discrepancies that need to be fixed before they can fly, and you can be able to go to the airplanes, fix them, and then see them push back and leave. Um, it's such a huge feeling of self-gratification. It's uh, almost an adrenaline rush to get to see the airplane leave because you fixed it. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard today, please comment, like, and share it, and subscribe for more great interviews and ways to save money on college and trade schools, and even find free training. And don't forget to look me up. <laughs> um, I'm over on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Take care.